0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are
1: your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
2: So Ryan asked if anyone wanted to open. I jumped on it, to which Ryan's face got immediately concerned, to which I told him only nine out of my ten possible openings uh, were in extremely poor taste. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and e-transfer you the one dollar to go in the jar because if you think i'm not bringing up the fact that josh allen just donkey kicked the (laughs) seattle seahawks today you are out of your mind because oh my god this is the happiest i've been as a
1: sports fan since the detroit red wings drafted lucas raymond i think the e-transfer minimum is five dollars Deal. Fine. Worth it. You may as well prepay you know the next four episodes of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. We've got Arizona and Pittsburgh coming up. I gotta enjoy this while I can
1: <laughs> Look, man, you're really gonna do this on the heels of me having to watch Michigan do what they did and then the Lions do what they did? Yes, I am, because it sucks that you're unhappy and
2: Michigan sucks because Jim Harbaugh is afraid to eat chicken. Um but uh, you know what? I got to take what I can get when I can get it. And when a team that I cheer for missed the playoffs for 17 straight years, when we're seven and two and donkey kicked the Seahawks, I'm going to enjoy it.
1: Real question Are the Red Wings the best yes. managed team? Yeah. Yes.
2: They are the only competently managed team in Detroit. I, knew I mean, you're going with that right away.
1: The The Tigers just brought in AJ Hinch. And I'm very conflicted because I've talked my fair amount of shit about the Astros. And I kind of won't stop at all. And like, I understand there's nuance to Hinch's involvement. And it wasn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I can't. How do I stand here putting my voice out twice a week on a hockey podcast and still finding time to talk? shit about the Astros and the fact that they're cheaters. And then the Tigers bring in A.J. Hinch, and I'm like, look, I'm not embedded in baseball like we are in hockey, so I don't know. But we are really at the point where the Detroit Red Wings are by far the most hope we have in Detroit sports. And it's not particularly
2: close. I mean, the Lions are the Lions, and I me as an outside observer to the Lions, am befuddled that Matt Patricia is still the head coach. I've seen much worse coaches get fired for much less. Um, much better. Much better, sorry. Much better coaches yeah. get fired for much less. Um, I look at the Pistons, who are basically the Minnesota Wild of the NBA, just stuck in mediocrity forever on an endless loop. And the Tigers, who are the Tigers? And, yeah, it's it's the Red Wings. Um, the roster has the most hope of all the teams. The management has the most hope of all the teams. And thus the fan base has the most hope of all the teams.
1: Yeah, pretty much that Mantha deal signed and sealed it. I mean, the, the Tigers do have a lot of good prospects. I mean, because they've been drafting for us overall for a little while now. But um, with Eisman coming back and him so far living up to the hype that has really pushed the Red Wings over, up and over the edge. Lars, obviously our friend um, in Sweden messaged me. He's a 49ers fan, and uh, he's like, man, I thought watching the 49ers were bad, but, oh, man, you're Lions. I was like, yeah, dude, <laughs> we're terrible. <laughs> I genuinely think I feel about as bad about the Lions as you feel as good about as good about the Buffalo Bills, and you just sent me $5. That's how good you feel about the
0: Buffalo Bills.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. Um, the funny part of all that is, as we were prepping for this episode, we were talking expansion draft lists. We're going to do a little segment on that today. And uh, we had a really easy time not being concerned for the expansion draft. So that should illustrate for you <laughs> the dire <laughs> spot Detroit sports are in. And on that note, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. grudgingly, I'm Ryan Hanna.
0: Happily, I'm Brad Crisco. And somewhere in between, I am Evan. <laughs> you Evan, sounded- you are
2: you cannot even begin to tell me that you were unhappy at all this weekend because i saw the weather and i know what your weekend looked like without even asking you
0: yeah it was unreal (laughs) even though i had to work from 2 to 8 a.m this morning but uh yeah it was really good i'm on borrowed times in that time i played nine on thursday nine on friday uh 11 yesterday and then 18 today but two of those holes were in the dark
2: why would you play 11 11 holes
0: the way the course works is you play nine and then 10s away from the club and 11 ends up almost right at the clubhouse so you can just walk off there okay you don't pay for the rounds so you can just leave yeah i
1: was gonna say to be a member must be nice when i go (laughs) golfing i'm playing all 18 that's why i take so many swings right I want, yeah. as, I want to experience as much of the round that I paid for as possible.
0: Exactly. It's more efficient uh, cost-effective that way.
1: Um, if I ever end up... Like when Brad and I go with you, it'll have to be in the dark. Because I, I, Brad's actually pretty decent at golf. But if it's like my first or second round of the year, uh, you won't want the groundskeepers to see the the big divots I'm taking out of the ground.
0: Oh, trust me. there's There's quite a few hacks out there. The group in front of us today was just like... Just spraying left, right, left, right the entire round. So you'd be okay.
1: Yeah, for me, it's like I'll spray right, 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 slice right, right, and then further right. I'll just make sure
0: we're not paired up with uh, the one kid there who's the under 17 uh, Ontario champ, and he's 15. And he's almost playing for team canada and he's sponsored by Titleist. he's insane i'll make sure he's not grouped with us
2: yeah i don't need to feel that bad about myself at any point honestly
0: trust That's- me i feel bad i've played beside him on the driving range and he hits his a lot of his cl- clubs further than a hit like f- two or three clubs higher it's incredible Let's
1: talk a little bit about things to feel good about. Um, what we'll be covering on this episode is a continuation of the uh, conversation surrounding the Mantha contract. There's been a little bit more uh, evaluation on it, so we just kind of want to chat about that, um, which will bleed into um a conversation potentially about uh draft or not draft trade targets for the red wings around the around the league um taking a look at detroit's cap situation other teams cap situation and continue spitballing there and drumming up deals that uh, opposing fans will hate if they ever care to listen um and then we are going to do a little bit of a preview of um the seattle expansion draft how it's looking for detroit because we are inching closer and we have a pretty good idea of what the Red Wings roster is going to be like around then and uh i mean we'll let you see how it goes but (laughs) there's nothing to be concerned about uh okay so um between last episode and now there's been more kind of contract uh, evaluation around the league uh dom Luz chicken actually did a a a uh, analysis of every team's overall uh contracts because of um uh like using different analytical models and finding like surplus values with the contracts um and the probability that players would outplay their contracts pretty much so detroit last year ranked 31st on that list quite obviously yeah quite obviously when you have uh justin Abdulkader and franz nielsen and the uh the contracts that the red wings had or still have to some degree you're gonna be pretty low on that list evan take a guess where we are this year
0: We gotta be way higher after we shed some of those contracts. Mm -hmm. I'll say 15 and a half. Look at that. 16th.
1: There you go. Uh, Yeah, the Red Wings were 16th, graded at a B minus. He has a whole uh, grading system. Um, And the big news about that is the best contract on the Red Wings, as you may have uh, figured out, be. from our analysis on it last episode is anthony mantha's new four-year deal just proof we know what we're talking about that's all that is
2: that's the only thing i took from that article
1: not only is it the highest graded contract on the team uh dom goes so far as to call it one of the best contracts in the league in all likelihood so um that aligns a lot with what we were saying last episode and it really does bode well um you know, we, when Eisman was signed, there was a lot of hype, and it, afterwards, there was probably a lot of, uh, um, fanboying going on where we were making mountains out of molehills, and every small move was kind of crazy, even though, even though it wasn't a bad move, it was still objectively good. It was nonetheless a small move. Um, this contract really kind of went a long way to cement that and to show the reason why Red Wings fans have been hyped about Steve Eisman coming to Detroit and why they're so excited for the future of this team. It's kind of just become the new hallmark for that, um, that kind of gold star. So, uh, yeah, that Mantha, Mantha contract is his he has a whole thing and i I recommend you guys go read it um if you subscribe to the athletic but the surplus value on that contract is 12.8 million dollars over its life uh dylan larkins is rated as the next best and its surplus value is 4.4 million dollars one year less on it but still the year that's the kind of um signing efficiency that you're getting with that mantha contract now it is worth noting that Dom's model is based
2: on essentially per game stats, not total stats, right? So it doesn't factor in Anthony, Man- Anthony Mantha's injury history. But that we, as we've said for years, Mantha is a top player. It's just when he's on the ice. So 82 games of Anthony Mantha at five point seven billion dollars is. Legitimately one of the best contracts in the NHL right up there with the Pasternak contract and the Marchand contract and God damn it, Boston, Shifley, etc. Because because Mantha's never had a 90 point season, it feels weird to put him in the same tier as those players. But last season on the per game numbers, he's not far behind those players.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Mantha and Bertuzzi contracts really went a long way to kind of improve Detroit's standing. Uh, well, of co- Dom did mention, though, a lot of the Red Wings' jump
2: in his ranking was addition by subtraction. E- yeah, yeah. You exactly. take Jonathan Erickson's 4-point-something million, Justin Ablocator's 4.25 million, Trevor
1: Daly's 3 million off that list, and you're jumping 10 spots just on that alone. <laughs> On his grading system, uh, for example, Franz Nielsen, obviously the worst contract on the Red Wings right now, rated as a D. The Red Wing, that's the lowest one and the only D on the Red Wings in a lot of ways. Um, only D contract on the Red Wings. Last year they had four. So yeah, addition by subtraction. Wonder I who those call. three were. <laughs> um, who, uh, yeah, Abdulkader, Eriksson, and was it Daly? I have to he was
2: statistically one of the worst defensemen in the NHL by just about every metric you looked at last year so that would make sense hey he's working with the penguins now right good for him I hope uh I hope wish him all the success in the world because he's a pretty good guy
1: yeah um So yeah, moving up from 31st or to 16th in a year. Obviously, this is one person's metrics and it doesn't mean that the Red Wings are going to be the 16th best team in the league. No, not at all. It's just how efficient their contracts are. So you factor in that they still have a lot of cap space and only so many good players. Um, but it really, really, really does position them well for the future. Um, we've talked about that a lot, but to kind of make that a little bit more material, let's continue our conversation about, um, who the Red Wings might be able to target in terms of teams and players they could possibly trade for uh, teams that are up against the cap next year and need to offload a bad contract. It has happened. I have a new
2: favorite target for this. Someone who's who's bad relatively short term uh, on a team that is in absolute cap hell and with a GM who's made enough poor decisions over the last few years to really justify overpaying to get rid of that contract. Johnny Boychuk from the New York Islanders. Two years left at six million dollars. The New York Islanders have three point nine million in cap space, and they still haven't signed Matthew Barzal. And they've already given away Devin, uh Devontae's for nothing. Well, two second round picks isn't nothing, but he was their best defenseman. Who do you target? If I could, uh, <laughs> yeah, I want
1: their first round picks. Let's say they they're they're not. Like They'll never do it. Do you take some package of seconds and prospects, or is it a hard ball? You literally only do it for... Uh, First-round picks are my alternative. They have
2: prospects worth plucking. I would happily take a swing at Oliver Wallstrom for that. He hasn't panned out to be the top 10 pick we all thought he would be. He's still a really good prospect, though. So... If there's a package around there, if it's a young roster player, maybe we sweeten the deal and somehow get a Noah Dobson in, which is a bit on the extreme side, but maybe. He was barely playing for them last year. I know they still have high hopes for him, but the Islanders' system isn't bad. I mean, obviously, they've got some untouchables and Elias Sorokin being the most of that, so I wouldn't even bother asking about that one. Um, But yeah, there's, there's always a reality where I... I'd make a trade for not a first-round pick, but it'd just have to be worth it.
1: Why don't we... Why wouldn't the Red Wings, you know, ask for Sorokin, and then the Islanders will be like, well, we need a goalie, and then we'll, like... Eisman says, well, we'll just give you Thomas Christ back. <laughs> we'll retain <laughs> Ooh, half the
0: Big brain move.
2: Hell yeah. It's um, the kind of galaxy brain bullshit that Lou Lamorella
1: would attempt on you. 100% he would. I just... You look at the Islanders, and I think I've mentioned this before, and for sure it has no standing like any kind of scientific standing, but all of these contracts being nice round numbers just kind of makes me think that these GMs are in there saying, yeah, forget 4.835, give them five, whatever. Let's make it clean. Like you don't really see that with a lot of teams, right? Like it's not always such seven, six, five and a half, five and a half, five, five, three and a half, three point three point three five 3.35 is the most odd number in the entire forwards. Actually almost across all the contracts besides the ELCs. <laughs> In my mind, though, you're playing hardball here. You don't really take on a contract like um, Boychuk's. Uh, Two years isn't bad, but you don't really go much further than that unless you're getting the big prize, which is first round picks. I I
2: think with how quiet the market's been on trades like this, I think a lot of teams are playing. I think every team's playing real hardball right now. I think for Johnny Boychuk, based on the fact nothing's happened yet, I think the ask right now for most teams is a first plus. I don't think a first-round pick right now anyway gets it done. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, just taking a quick glance at cap-friendly here, the Arizona Coyotes are over the cap, one roster spot to fill. The Canucks are over the cap. The Blues are over the cap, two roster spots to fill. The Leafs are over the cap. Capitals are over the cap, two roster spots to fill. Vegas is over the cap, two roster spots to fill. Anaheim is somehow over the cap with one roster spot to fill. Winnipeg over one roster spot to fill. Now, a bunch of these teams will have LTIRs coming up, so they're not super concerned, and I'm not about to go down the rabbit hole of reading all those off. But then, again, you look at... And that doesn't include Tampa and the Islanders, who are still well under the cap, but in Tampa's case have several key players to sign still, and in the Islanders' case have their best player to sign still. So... There is more than a few targets out there. And then you look at teams in a position to take on bad contracts to do this and teams that are likely to do it, given who their owner is, what their plans are for this season and available cap space. You have the Devils, the Kings, the Red Wings, maybe the Blue Jackets. That's about it. There's no good candidates beyond that because Uncle Eugene's not going to be spending that money so I don't think Ottawa's in it. Nashville has a ton of cap space but they still only have 19 out of 23 contracts on their roster filled so I think they're going to and they want to be good so they're not taking on a Johnny Boychuck uh, now so that's what five, six, seven teams looking to dump contracts and maybe four, five on the
1: optimistic side who are willing to take them. I'm looking at Vegas and I'm like, if you're going to go so balls to the wall where you take on the Petrangelo signing and that was a hefty signing and there's a lot of conversation about, you know, how is that contract going to age? Petrangelo's a fantastic defenseman, but people are talking about later on in the contract. But if you're going to go so balls to the wall as to trade for Petrangelo and not worry about the back half or however long of that contract, are you not also then the kind of GM who's going to trade for or trade firsts, or maybe even a premier prospect. Like I'm not saying they're going to deal Cody glass, but if I'm Eisman, I'm looking at firsts or, or Cody glass to start. So here's the catch
2: 22 with Vegas and the thing I struggle with because from everything you just said in terms of cap space to the team's mentality et cetera, to what they've done the the golden knights make the most sense to be a team that's willing to pony up a first round pick to move a bad contract they are in cap hell i don't see a bad contract on their roster outside of mark-andre Fleury.
0: that's what i was thinking too like i was going through their cap friendly um and all the guys that they have established as their core have no move clauses and everybody else you can clearly tell how they've built that team and who who are the go-to guys and
2: they're not going to like they're going for the cup. They don't want to get rid of their big money guys. They're not moving Mark Stone, they're not moving Max Patchready, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marsh, so Alex Tuck. Those are the only forwards they have over million. And they'd be crazy to move any of them in a season where they're going for the cup. Then you go to the defense. They've got Petrangelo. They've got Shea Theodore signed to $5.2 million for the next five years, which is going to be one of the best contracts in hockey. Maybe one year of Alec Martinez is worth it to dump for them at $4 million. But again, he's one of their better defensemen. They're not getting rid of him when they want to go on a cup run. So they've already said due to robin Lander's injury they're not trading mark andre flurry so that's my conundrum with vegas who are they getting rid of like Easy i don't, solution. i don't see how they say they're going to keep flurry that's the only one that makes sense to me here's what they do
0: they trade us flurry we give them bernier or Grace. exactly boom
1: Bern- bernier has one year left at three million and detroit can even retain half the salary and that's how you get that deal done so flurry for bernier and then flurry obviously comes with first or glass or something here, okay, well, here's the
2: catch-22 that you run into this. If Bernier has a season, anything like last season, you might get a first-round pick for him at the deadline, depending on uh. if, if, if there's a contender that has has a, a goalie injury. I, I'm aware it's a long shot, but even without that, he's worth, at worst, a second-round pick this coming deadline. At worst, if I'm going to pick a team at random here, Vasilevsky goes down for Tampa. Bernier would be of huge value for them but so now you're giving Vegas an asset for the season when we're trying to get assets from them so if you're taking Flurry for Bernier what is the sweetener there because to me that's got to be multiple firsts and I don't know if Vegas is going to be willing to do that
1: I don't know about multiple but I would do a first plus or I would and, and I'm saying Cody Glass because I'm not a Vegas fan so any Vegas fans listening to this are obviously calling me a meathead and an asshole and that's fair but like a first plus something that's not another first like a first and uh new jersey's second or cody glass in new jersey's second like to me that's the kind of thing that makes a lot of sense
0: there's a guy on uh, las vegas's roster who's never really established himself in the nhl and could probably use a fresh start and that's thomas Yerko.
2: <laughs> piss off get out of here go that's all i, I was like that. Peyton Krebs is there. Oh, there's options. Jack Dugan's a pretty good prospect on the older side, but that's because he went the college route. Uh, Lucas Elvinus would be an interesting one. Um, Nick Hag, I'm a no, big fan see. of. I'm surprised he hasn't broke through regularly with Vegas yet. I assume he's going to this year. You there, target Hagg or Glass, and uh, that looks good. I, well, no, there's a million options here, but uh, I mean, because of... And I think uh, let's not forget, Flurry's got a no trade clause, so he could nix this all in a heartbeat. And he's still in a mentality he wants to win. Why would he waive for Detroit? So this might not even be an option. He might have a ten team no trade list, and he
1: just literally puts the ten teams with the most cap space on the list, right? So yeah, fair. And like agents do that. Teams and agents do that when they don't want to go, and all they can negotiate four way back was a 10-team list, then they'll be creative with that.
2: Oh, they absolutely use it strategically. It's why Eric stalls in Buffalo because his agent and him never thought Buffalo would be in a position where they'd be trading for a player like him at this point. So they didn't bother to put him on his no-trade list because they thought, ah, it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. So yeah, as- Buffalo. As much as I think McCrimmon would be a great candidate to give the Red Wings supreme assets to unload some contract, I just I don't see the fit there unless these teams get very creative. I looking at another team, Washington here. Um, they have a couple really bad contracts, but it's on their good players and they have a lot of term left, so the Red Wings wouldn't bother doing that. Um, their two worst contracts on defense they just signed a few weeks ago, so I don't think they're moving those. <laughs> So they're not in a great, they're not a great uh, bedfellow for the Red Wings there Tampa again still makes sense. I don't love their options but it makes sense they have options there that we could work with um yeah I but the Islanders are starting to make the most sense to me. Vancouver's stuck man like they have to be stuck right? They, they are stuck, but the thing with Vancouver, the one thing Vancouver's got going for them over other teams is even though they're over the cap by a million and a half, their roster's max. They do not need to sign anybody. They're, they're good. It's just a matter of freeing up a little bit of cap, which they probably could comfortably do with a buyout of one of these bad players, which might be more optimal for them. I think they'd rather buy out Louis Erickson than give a first round pick to get rid of him. And if I was the GM of the Canucks, that would absolutely be favorable to me. Uh, Maybe they, I don't know, just looking. Sven Berchi has one year left at 3.3. That would give them enough cap space. But what are they going to give up to get rid of that contract? It's not going to be much. A second round pick might be optimistic on that one. Um, So, yeah, I don't think Vancouver is in a position right now where they need to give up an asset to get out of cap hell now. And also I think they might need to save their assets because, um, next summer yes. when Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, both their ELCs expire, that is probably going to add close to $20 million to their cap. They're going to need those assets for next summer, so if I'm them, yeah, I am holding on to everything right now because I know I'm going to need it later, and they're probably going to need it in spades, but they do have some key UFAs coming off next year. Again, like I just said, Berchie comes off next year. Brandon Sutter comes off next year. Tanner Pearson, Alex Edler, Jordy Ben. Obviously, they're going to need to replace some of these guys, but they have cap coming off, so I I don't think Vancouver's in a huge need. So Vegas has to do something. Tampa has to do something. The Islanders definitely have to do something. But I think those are the only teams that have that where, where a simple, cheap buyout doesn't fix it. I think those are the only three teams in that position when you look through it. Like, yeah, the other teams have to make moves, but they don't have to do anything dramatic and they don't have to give up premium assets to get out of it they would eisenman take on like a two and a half million dollar player from the leafs for like a fourth round pick i mean sure why
1: not but that's not the type of deal we're talking about right now yeah i think you're right with the Boychuk one it's funny because Lamorella has such a reputation for being so tough but guys with that reputation in the nhl just kind of make these weird moves like you see the the rutherford moves where you're just like why did you do that you did not need to give up that asset for that player you actually shouldn't have given up an asset for that player at all um for example Rutherford helping Toronto so yeah I I think you're right I think Lamorello is weird and unpredictable but at the same time he's probably the most liable to say fuck it like the the Islanders and I want the Islanders to be competitive in a year or two so I don't care about their first round picks take them I want that to be pick 32 anyways and yeah. that's how Detroit ends up with a 2022 first and a 2022 second. And I always go back to—I uh, feel like Elliot
2: Friedman says it ad nauseum, like it, it's constant. He repeats: when Lamorello believes in his team, he's all in. He doesn't—he doesn't half-ass it. He goes to win. And when you look at how frigging horrible their long-term contract situation is, I don't think he has a choice but to be all in right now because in three, four years is going to be comfortably one of the worst teams in the NHL stuck in absolute cap hell. They are doomsday is coming for them and it's going to be not too long from now. So yeah, you better get the most out of it now. It's unfortunate for Islanders fans because I don't think this is a roster anywhere near close enough to win a Stanley cup, despite how good Perry trots is. I I still think this year's conference final run was a bit of a fluke. I mean, they played their asses off and earned it, but I, I don't think it's sustainable um, for another couple of years but it, when Lamorello's in he's in and they need at least four million dollars in cap space so moving two years of Leo Komarov isn't going to do it two years of Cal Clutterbuck isn't going to do it and you look above them on the salary cap and those are all contracts too expensive for teams or too long for teams to take on they just signed Ryan Pulak so they're not going to move that two-year contract Nick Letty might be a good option because he's only $500,000 cheaper than Johnny Boychuk but he's still a decent defenseman so I don't think that's who the Islanders would want to move given their situation so when you cross your T's and dot your I's it looks like Johnny Boychuk and Leo Komarov are the only two teams will probably entertain that Lamorello would be willing to move. And again, I don't think is going to be enough to get uh, Barzal's contract in there.
0: And it also doesn't help that all these long-term contracts have either full no-move or modified no-move. Like, even if you wanted to, to get Johnny Boychuk, he's got a modified li- uh, no-trade clause, and it, it says he gives eight teams that he wants to be traded to. But... If there's anyone who can get someone to mysteriously waive their no trade clause and go to a f- unfavorable, underperforming bad team, it's Lou uh, Lamorello.
2: Well, and it's you can. Um, I don't know the logistics of all this and how this would work, but there's it's a cutthroat business, and and Lamorello would absolutely be the guy. All right, Johnny, we're trading you to the Red Wings, and he could go. No, I'm not waving for there. He's like, okay, uh, then we're sending you to the minors, like. You're not going to be on this team one way or another, or he could even have a deal worked out with Iceman ahead of time. We're going to trade you Boychuk this pick and this prospect. Only way Johnny waves is if you buy him out there so he's free to go sign with whoever he wants. Maybe that's an option. Like, okay, well, here's your picks. Take him, buy him out. He's on your cap. Yada, yada, yada. Here's your first round pick. Here's a half ass prospect. All right, Johnny, go sign with the contender for some depth and get your cup. Like that, that could be something that could be entertained. And again, I'm using Johnny Boychuk as the example here, but that could apply to Flurry. That could apply to, I don't know, Alex Kalorn in Tampa, although I don't think, I think he's less likely on that one. But those options are on the table.
1: Do we think so? The likelihood of this happening, obviously, we said before, I have said before that I think eisman is looking to do something big like uh, i think he wanted the mark Stahl deal to be the smaller of his trades for bad contracts but obviously whenever you're talking about a, a deal of that size it's not guaranteed so i'm not going to sit here and promise it but i still do genuinely believe just by everything eisman has said and not said in the nature of this league um and the teams how they're up against the cap i still think eisman's gunning to do something big what's the likelihood here that the league bails these teams out because of this unexpected flat cap, what if they give them some kind of relief? Or what if they give them some kind of, you know, up contract limit or that kind of thing? Slim to none. Legally, what can they do? They, the rules.
2: They, the Well, how many... Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Isn't there some kind of process where like teams have to vote on crap like this and every team that's not in cap going to be like, no, we don't want to help the lightning. Are you kidding me? We want to make the Canucks better Vegas. No, we're trying to win. There's no way they would get approval on this unless, uh, Bettman had like power of dictator on this that. And again, I straight up do not know how the process on something like this would work because the CBA is already established. I don't think anything's coming, and if it does, I think half the league minimum would be up in arms, just absolutely up in arms. Because hypothetically, what what would the bailout be? Because they can't raise the cap. Uh, throw a compliance buyout in there? Sure. How pissed would the Red Wings be? That they actually just bought out one of their biggest contracts and then a compliance buyout comes. If I was the Red Wings, I'd file a grievance with the league. I'd go to court over that. I'd be so furious. So I don't see how how they can. Like, what is the option here? You can't, if you can't throw in compliance buyouts and you can't raise the cap, you're not able to bail these teams out of it. So I mean, we've time and time again, you can say it's a pandemic. Yeah. But teams have a million weird things have happened to the NHL before where it's like, okay, yeah, this sucks, but like, that's the world. Everything doesn't go your way. Imagine the NHL didn't get a new TV deal or they got a shitty TV deal. Imagine the gambling revenue didn't bring in as much as they thought. What are the teams going to, oh, well, we, we gave this guy infinity dollars because we just assumed the cap was going up. Like, that's not how it works. If if I, <laughs> if I we were able to freeze the market and inflation and do all that kind of crap, I'd have a much bigger house than I do. So, you know, the world doesn't always work out the way you need it to.
1: <laughs> I only say that because I, sports are the one domain where, yeah, almost sometimes they do have this kind of dictatorial. Uh, ability to make unilateral decisions. And I don't think it would be hard for Bettman to get up there and say, yeah, this is a uh, an emergent time and there's been an unex- unforeseen crisis. And sure, teams like Detroit, your compliance buyout can work retroactively. Who gives a shit? Or yeah, we're going to let these teams operate. I don't know. I don't even know. No, I, like I'm not even banking on it. I just, those conversations and those whispers have been out there. So I'm just kind of curious. And then the only question left for me is, is the lack of signing one of the available free agents or Timoshev hinging on what's to come for uh, a potential trade for a bad contract? Because you look at Timoshev and then you look at guys like Hoffman and Granlund and, you know, Sammy Votnin. Sammy Votnin's still a UFA? Yep. That's crazy.
2: Dude, the, uh, Duclair, Granlund. Like, the UFA list right now is
1: ridiculous. Mike for Hoffman, league. too? Yeah. Like, Grabner's uh, there. is still unsigned. Yep. I mean, I I think Eric
2: Halla is still out there, and I actually thought he would have been a good short-term bet for the Red Wings, much like we did with the Mesnikov. Um, yeah. but I, I don't think anything's hindering anything for Eisman right now. I think he's got such a world of options out there right now that he's just waiting on the best deal. Like when if Lamarello or julian brisebois or kelly mccrimmon get desperate enough okay now i'll pull the trigger okay well these trades aren't material materializing at all i'm gonna sign a grand linda hoffman or a Duclair to a one-year deal and i'll get my pick at the deadline it's he's got everything open to him it's it's it sucks the world ended it sucks the nhl's losing money it sucks the players that are losing money. But this is an unbelievably good offseason to have a lot of cap space because the world is your oyster and you have every option open to you and there are deals to be had. If, if we sit here, I, like I can't sugarcoat, if we're sitting here January 1st and Steve Eisenman hasn't got a first round pick out of a bad contract or signed one of the better free agents to a good one-year contract, I'm going to be disappointed. I'll consider that a failure because there's so much out there He's gotta make this work. And the thing is, in a normal season, it's a luxury for teams to be able to move a first round pick to unload a Patrick Marlowe. Like, oh yeah, this frees up options for us to re-sign this player or sign X player or, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's not a luxury for teams anymore. They have to make moves. Like what again, you look at Tampa as a hypothetical. If they don't want to give up a premium asset. To create the cap space that they so desperately need. And let's not forget, they need lots of it. What are their options? Like the players who make enough money that you could buy out to free up cap space aren't players you're they want to buy out and they have term like. Buying out Andre Pilat would probably be the one based on dollars and term that makes the most sense for them to buy out to free up that cap space. They're not buying out Andre Pilat. Like, <laughs> they want to win the cup again. I mean, Ryan McDonough's $6.7 million for the next infinity years is an awful contract, but they still want Ryan McDonough and they're not buying out a six year contract. Like, they're screwed. People say, well, yeah, why would they give up a first round pick to move Tyler Johnson? Tyler Johnson's a good player. Cause they might not have a goddamn choice. Their only option to get out of Capel might be Steve Eisenman sitting there going, hi, we're going to take your best prospect and your best pick. Thank you. Like th- this is where they're at. And if I'm Steve Eisenman, I'm ne- Tampa is not my first team I'm negotiating with loyalties and friendships be damned. I think the Islanders are going to be way worse than the Lightning, so I'm holding out for them. I want their first round pick because that could be in the middle of the first round. So, like, these teams are truly screwed. And if the NHL doesn't come in and bail them out, they're going to stay screwed. And they don't have easy outs. That's why I'm saying teams like Toronto and Washington aren't in this mix because they have easy outs. They have cheap buyouts on mediocre players that get them under the cap.
1: Tampa, Vegas islanders they don't have that all right let's move on here to uh the expansion draft so we're going to talk about um the seattle 32nd team in the nhl expansion draft which has been confirmed i think to be under the same rules as the vegas draft um there's two different configurations that teams can go about to uh, create their protected list they can have either seven forwards three defense and one goalie protect protected or eight forwards and defense combined of any configuration and one goalie protected. Um, the, there's different stipulations like players with no move clauses automatically have to be protected. Certain amount of games need to have been played. Uh, only players who have been playing at the pro level for so long. And all of this is subject to change. And there's been actually some conversation about what kind of rules, um, will be, you know, uh, in place because of teams or players that I've gone and played in Europe and how that'll affect their eligibility. We're not going to dive into that too much. We're just going to go kind of assuming, um, what's kind of available. We are using this, uh, I'm looking right here. We're using this cap friendly list. Um, and that's what we'll go with in it as eligibility is change. We'll kind of revisit this closer to this typically happens during the playoffs or during the off season. Uh, early on in the offseason so that's kind of when we'll address it as I was saying this my list completely went away which is devastating um, but we are going to kind of see what this is looking like for the Red Wings and this is why we were laughing before the show because it's
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I had a hard time not because there's a lot because there's not any uh, my my hardest
2: decision came at defense That's how good of a position the Red Wings are in for the expansion draft.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Brad, why don't you start off with your list here? Okay. So, uh, let me pull
2: up the link. So, my forwards that I protected. So, I went traditional 7-3-1. I've got Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, Robbie Fabry, Michael Rasmussen, and then it really didn't matter a ton there, and there's a lot of room to change, so I'll kind of go through my reasoning here. My last two are Evgeny Svechnikov and Giovanni Smith. Now, I put consideration there to Taro Hirose and Dmitro Timishov as well. I went with Svechnikov first out of those four, just under the assumption he has a decent year. He's not waiver eligible. He's a former first-round pick. I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, but I still think he's going to be a usable NHLer. So if he can slot in comfortably on the third line and contribute, great, he's worth protecting. Then, uh, between the other three, tiebreaker went to the youngest, and since Herosi and Timishov are 24, I went with Javani Smith just because he's 22. I don't think any of them are world beaters. Uh, on a pure skill set argument, I would probably go with Hiroshi. But again, all things considered, Javani Smith is younger. We can get more length out of him. He's a little more valuable at that point, but any two of those four I'd be comfortable with and I'm sure depending how this season will go will change my answer at the end of the season uh, on defense I think the first two protections are at least in our mind uh, going into the season fairly obvious uh, in Philip Paronic and Dennis Chilosky. Uh, not that Cholosky set the world on fire in the NHL consistently yet but he's shown his flashes and he's young and he's a first round pick he's obviously worth protecting any argument against that to me is silly Then the the third defensive protection was very interesting to me because I think there's really three names to consider here. Danny DeKaiser, Troy Stetcher, and Gustav Lindstrom. Now, the Red Wings have a ton of defensemen coming up through the pipeline, so it's not really a decision that I'm going to stress too heavily on when the time comes unless for some inexplicable reason they leave Cholosky unprotected, but under this hypothetical, he is. So when I was looking at this, I'm like, well, do I go with the guy who's been around Detroit forever? Do I go with the youngest guy in Lindstrom? And then I just, I kind of said, screw it. And I just decided I'm going to protect the best player here. So I protected Troy Stetcher because he's a right shot, very useful defenseman, great, great player. He's only got one year left on his contract at the end of this year, and he is 26 years old. But again, as we've talked about Before, when you're transitioning a team from a rebuild to being good, you need players, so you might as well keep the good ones. So since Troy Stetcher is a good player, a guy that in all likelihood the Red Wings will want to extend, and if they aren't able to extend him, he probably gets more value than the other guys in trade. So if we're looking at asset management, you also still probably want to keep Troy Stetcher. So... That was my logic there. So I've got Hronik, Choloski, and Stetcher as my three defense, and then Grace is my goalie because he's the only one that you can protect right now. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, there were some decisions to be made there, not super impactful ones. And if, and for what it's worth, if everything goes as I predict it goes this year, and the Red Wings follow exactly my list to a t which they won't i think the red wings then lose lindstrom to the expansion draft
1: yeah it really seems to be how it's shaking out like i i'm gonna pick different players maybe and if you guys argue i won't give a shit because it really doesn't matter (laughs) like larkin mantha yeah obviously um fabry i think okay
2: Bertuzzi, Fabry are pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, Fabry, Bertuzzi. Um,
2: I'd even put Rasmussen in the obvious category. Just, just because-, because you don't want to give that
1: kind of potential away. And we knew he'd be a, a, a slower project. If And then you go Svechnikov, and then, I don't know, I'll say Nemesnikov because I'll assume maybe D- Timoshev won't be long term. And that's what I'll say for that. But if it's Timashov instead of Nemesnikov, that's totally fine. So Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Fabry, um, Rasmussen, Svechnikov, Nemesnikov. If Svechnikov completely is burns out or is a bum this year, then you can count him out or, you know. Or if, if Nemesnikov sets the world on fire, if Nemesnikov comes out and pops
2: up 40 points, no brainer protect him and then leave Giovanni yeah. Smith exposed.
1: Or Svechnikov. Like, I would love to protect Lindstrom, but it doesn't really make sense to do it. You would rather protect Philip Hronick, obviously. You'd rather protect Je- Dennis Cholosky just because, you know, as even though he might be more uncertain, if he pans out, that's a guy who's doing more for you than Gustav Lindstrom might be in this lineup. And then Troy Stetcher just because that's a good value contract and he's a good young right-handed defenseman. We're excluding UFAs that expire in 2021 because there's uncertainty around them. If they're going to be a UFA, they don't technically have to be on your list. Um, Our understanding is that depending on it, it all depends on when the expansion draft falls. No, it's
2: it's the same rules as Vegas. You definitely do not need to worry about unrestricted free agents. Because it's t- the league has been operating around the parameters of the Vegas expansion draft for this expansion draft, so the NHL can't change it now. Where if N- teams are like, well, guess what? UFAs are involved now. Again, teams would kick up a fit because they've went they've made moves under the understanding they wouldn't be. And then my
1: goalie, obviously, would be Kevin Boyle. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be Thomas Grice. Yeah, like the Red Wings lose Lindstrom. The Red Wings lose DeKaiser. If they take DeKaiser, you're like all right sweet thank you it's 31 yeah. years old and that's five million dollars off the books like great
2: yeah there's uh what like worst case scenario on my list is who do we lose Nemet, one year of nemesnikov lindstrom and or Horosi. oh oh well and i i one caveat that i threw in there is one of the reasons i left nemesnikov unprotected is because i have faith big joey v will be stepping into the lineup the following season so over a year from now meaning there's one more center spot spoken for so and depending on your view as whether or not right michael rasmussen's a center or a winger maybe another one so whatever
0: yes this list was tricky to to populate at some points um I think my forwards were the exact same as yours. Minus, um, I protected Herosi over Giovanni Smith. I just think Herosi's got more potential at the NHL level than Smith. Smith, we can find a player like him, lots of places, and I don't think he, I don't think he'd be the the player that they'd even go for if, if we left him exposed. Absolutely, can see that logic. Um, and then on the on the back end. Cholowski, um, but then I actually protected Lidstrom. Um, <clears throat> Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little congested right now because I've been up for an ungodly amount of hours. Um, just because I didn't know who else who else to protect. If if they want a Mark Stahl, if they want a Danny DeKaiser, all all for them. That frees up a bunch of cap space to make make some moves with that. So two of the three defensemen I were, were easy, and then the last one was just a charity. Um, and then I did Thomas Grice as well, because okay.
1: <laughs> That's the entire Red Wings motto. I don't even think Eisman will pick up the phone when they find out who Vegas chooses to uh, or, sorry, Seattle. who Seattle chooses to pick from them. They're going to be like, hey, we took so-and-so, and Eisman will be like, okay. <laughs> All right. Talk really? to you later. Does he need a ride to the no, oh, all right. See ya. <laughs> don't bug me. Um, and it, for those of you who don't know, the contracts that are uh, exempt from this: Matthias Brome, uh, Joe Volano, Philip Zadina, uh, Chase Pearson, Turner Elson, Moritz Sider, Albert uh, Johansson, Jared McIsaac, Philip Larson, and Victor Bratström. And then obviously you're not even considered. Like re- Lucas Raymond
0: isn't on there. Like, um, hmm. is it worth? So let's lindstrom um yeah. he'd be an rfa in 2021 yeah even worth protecting him, like or what, they just get him for free right like it yeah well yeah i walk that back that no it depends
1: it depends on the date of the expansion draft like if it happens after unrestricted free agency opens hypothetically although i think brad's looking at me like i'm dumb here and i might very well be but pretty much like if they extend him before that then yeah they'll have to protect him right but if they He's don't rfa not ufa he would still require protection oh that's right because they get his rights and that's worth something yeah an rfa i was being a meathead
0: here that's, that's what happened well, as, as, as i was saying minute, it right? i started to figure it out as i was talking I, through it out loud and then, and I, then I walked that down that, was that path dumb for part. you thank you <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> again like this is not a hard situation for detroit last time the red wings or at least we did and it might be silly in retrospect considered ourselves lucky because um Mrazek wasn't taken and instead it, it was uh no and now it's like it's poised to be another no type and yeah it's not great to lose an asset for nothing but compared to what other teams are going to be losing This also provides another kind of squeeze opportunity where teams might need to move some pieces around. Obviously, the primary team that they are going to make deals with is Seattle themselves. uh, But is there an opportunity for Detroit to leverage their cap space and their ability to take on contracts to kind of make this work? Oh,
2: absolutely there are. They can do it this summer. They can do it next summer. Of course they can. They're going to have even more cap space next year. If teams want to unload a player because you know look at tampa they're gonna look at tampa's defense right now they have to protect victor hedman because he's no move but obviously they would anyway and then you got to think sergey and chernak will be there well that means you're leaving Calfoot and ryan mcdonough exposed like teams are gonna have to move and they'd rather lose an eric chernak and get an asset out of it than lose one of those guys for nothing
1: yeah, it's going to actually be pretty exciting. I like that that's happening soon. The Vegas one was super exciting, so it it'll be fun to see this one play out, especially because it's not Detroit being pinched here. Um, but let's say these teams somehow miraculously getting away get away without having to do too much crazy, you know, giving up assets to offload bad contracts right now during this offseason. It'll be nice to see that second coming for them, that second wave, sorry, um, during the Seattle expansion draft. And on that terrible, terrible note, uh, let's head over to uh, overtime. We're gonna start with uh, Patreon, where all of our Patreon supporters, who are the reason we we're able to have this show, get their comments read out um, first and foremost, as our way of saying thank you. Unless there's anything you guys have before overtime.
0: Nope, not a damn thing.
1: Do you guys like mulled wine? Do you ever make mulled wine?
0: I've had it. It's all right.
1: Yeah, I don't mind it. I've we're, no idea what that is. You, uh, you pour a couple bottles of wine. You put in like some oranges and then spices like clove, star anise. Um, Mel put cardamom in and then you just kind of – and then something to sweeten it like maple syrup or sugar. And you just let it simmer for a little while. It's like – it's a holiday drink. Yeah. That's not
0: I, I zoned out halfway through that
1: sentence. I just – I stopped caring. It was your question.
0: <laughs> and then the
2: answer
1: was more boring than I could imagine. Uh and I say that because we've gone full-on holiday Christmas mode in here. We ha- we currently have three trees up in this house already. Oh,
0: my God. 2020 is the only year where you're allowed to celebrate Christmas early because there's been nothing good to look forward to. Thank you.
1: Like, we've always been, like, the moment we're past Halloween, we're like, yeah, like, we're down for holiday holiday mode, but we usually take a little time to get the decorations up and stuff. But this year, we're like, well, what else are we going to do? Like, literally, the other night, it was like, you know have the news on decorate for christmas and then we turned the news off because i was being annoying and we just put holiday music on and decorated the tree and then it was warm as hell today so thank you climate change anyways overtime patreon we're gonna start with tj nasty who says good day guys with stevie wise stating that he might not be done adding another free agent uh, is there a chance we take a run at mike hoffman uh, it sounds more and more like he's waiting for a contending team to make room for him. But what about us offering him maybe a longer term deal? Yeah, he's thirty, but what about a five year deal at six and a half million? Think he'd consider it? Keep up the great content, guys. Love the pod.
2: I'm pro signing Mike Hoffman. I'm anti signing Mike Hoffman to anything more than a two
0: year contract. He would also be the that would make him the highest paid forward on the team. Yeah, the highest paid anybody. He'd consider it
1: i don't think the i don't think eisenman would they shouldn't uh kyle says hey guys going back to the end of the last episode can't remember if it was evan uh talking about some heavy metal music uh you ever listen to lauren ashore or shadow of intent they definitely kick ass and are worth a listen if you like metal
0: no but i will uh scribble that down
1: Uh, Cody Stark says, what's the best hockey game you've ever been to? Didn't realize it at the time, but now I know that it was 2005 World Juniors. uh, Gold medal game in Grand Forks. Canada versus Russia. Crosby versus Ovechkin for the first time. Ovechkin got booed off the ice. That stacked Canadian roster. Gretzky was in the house. It was awesome.
2: I think I might be a little too young to have really appreciated it. And it wasn't even a Red Wings game. But I want to say it was the 93 playoffs. Um, We're there. I was there.
0: Oh yeah! I always forget you're old. Shut up! <laughs> um, it was. I believe I was, it was in the, a crib.
2: I think it was. It was between the Canadians and Sabers, and it was a crazy game. And had a goalie fight and everything, and uh, some lunatic uh, firing a gun into the air in the parking lot after the game. Like it was. It was that's the, crazy. That's the
0: real Montreal experience, right there. It was Buffalo. Oh, I was listening because I didn't care yeah it was buffalo versus the bills um i
1: don't know like i all of my like the all the best red wings games i watched from home like we i don't we didn't go to a lot of games as a kid kind of when the red wings were in their heyday the tickets weren't exactly cheap you know um yeah the i hate to say it but of all the playoff games i went to i think it was the one that i went to with you guys oh
2: Game three, Tampa, Detroit, that game was nuts. That's the one that comes to my mind where I'm old enough to remember it, like, vividly. That is definitely the one in my adult
1: life. Uh, Steve E says, what, unless you want to answer, Evan?
0: I honestly can't even think of anything. My brain is completely mush. Yeah.
1: Uh, Steve E says, what a week. I hope everyone hearing this is safe. hockey hockey topics could you all discuss how the wings might get another first round pick in 2022 and could you discuss the future of women's hockey i read that the whap got a million bucks from secret deodorant (laughs) is that all it will take if so that said they had to wait for a donation from hockey canada or usa hockey and or couldn't or wouldn't isn't there an nhl player who could donate you could ask every player on the active roster to donate 25 grand uh that's 575 from one team over 17 million for all 31 teams combined. Sorry. burp burped there. Uh, that would go a really long way, long way to ensuring Mika and my two daughters have a league to play in. Thanks for what you do. Stay safe. So
2: I, I do want to actually have a really in-depth conversation about women's hockey, but, uh, I actually have a friend who plays for the Canadian women's national team. So we've been trying to coordinate her schedule so we can actually get her on here to talk about it. Um, the issue she's running into right now is, A, she's on the ice like nine times a week and training and, you know, being an Olympian. Um, and there's there's some restrictions to what is publici- publicly available, what's not, what she can say, what she can't say. So it's a little tricky on that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm for it. I'm a little pissed the NHL still isn't fully investing in this. I don't give a crap that there's another league. It's a cop out um it's the field of dreams if you build it they will come um if you want to if you don't want to hurt the other league buy out the other league use that as your starting point then like the nhl is just being cowards here quite honestly they should already be fully involved in this and they are not and it's disappointing
1: uh next comment from lars the prophet of the towering behemoth says so time for another music question oh parse uh which is your favorite Ramstein song mine is pussy speaking of that <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew it. who is your favorite name of a character in james in a james bond movie i'd put pussy galore up there with the best <laughs> well the weather here in sweden sucks and the u18 and u20 national team games with finland were canceled due to covid i think it's time to grab 2020 by the tree bucket let's hope 2021 will be a better one than this freak of a year upwards and onwards and wings and pizza for everyone actually my favorite Ramstein tune is ick to dear way but it didn't serve my purpose i'm sorry for my i
0: like when ryan makes mistakes and then we can laugh about them continuously those are my favorite ones it's (laughs) fun being on the other end of it for once
1: yeah it is uh the actual terry sure Says, hello listeners, new and old. I've decided to come back for a bit to remind everyone how terrible this movie podcast is. <laughs> Can we stick to hockey? Can't believe this shit show of a podcast is the fourth biggest hockey podcast. And what is what is this now? I'm not sure why you've put speculation in the title. You're always speculating about COVID nineteen, hockey, etc I'm so tired of hearing about golf, baseball, football, F1, and music. Let's stick stick to the topic, boys. I which is movies, obviously. I don't need to hear about how tired Brad is or how Ryan's girlfriend is renovating the house and how he's useless. The only decent one on the show is Evan, but it's a rarity. He's prepared to talk when it's thrown to him, yet alone for the show. (laughs) When, when he starts strangely accurate (laughs) and when he starts talking about golf, he loses all credibility and then follow up PS. This is Terry. Yes. The real actual Terry. You actually heard Evan's feelings just there. I hope you
0: know. (laughs) I could hold my own in any golf conversation. Uh, and Ryan, remember when you thought the real Terry actually was a patron? Yeah. That was that was actually really funny because I yeah. believed it too.
1: Yeah, not my best day. I really thought it was there. <laughs> uh, Ian says, have you guys seen the Russian 5 documentary? Yes. Yes. Phenomenal. Everyone should watch it.
0: I haven't seen it. Where do you watch it?
1: Uh, it's on like iTunes. Oh, that's stuff. probably why
0: I haven't watched it. Yeah. you can, You can watch
1: it a lot of places.
0: Okay. I'll look.
1: Uh, not sure if you're old enough, but it was like reliving my childhood. Plus, I learned some new stuff. Highly recommend. Yep. Uh, I remember a lot of the, the Russian Five as it happened or like, you know, when I came into knowing hockey, I quickly learned about it. But yeah, it was um, really brought, brought I, you back to the real Red Wings heyday.
2: I had no idea that Slava Kozlov was such a miserable bastard. And that only made me love him more. Right? Absolutely. I relate to him. He is the Russian better athlete version of myself i i can
1: deeply deeply relate uh la plata peak says how long can the nhl go without confirming the rumors of the all canada and other 2021 divisions Ooh, a long time the nhl does not give a shit
2: oh yeah no they can go they're aiming for january 1st so basically until training camp start which probably won't be until december sometime so yeah
1: that long uh i believe the slip that mccrimmon gave to the possibility was a trial balloon one that has been received rather well by hockey media however the more time that passes without any confirmation uh, about divisional alignments things are becoming more disconcerting what do we all believe is the drop dead date for these announcements before we have to consider the possibility that the 2021 season doesn't happen Uh, teams will have been briefed about this and said don't say anything so i don't think there's a drop dead date that really matters fans are will accept whatever's thrown at them at the end of the day
0: when did the bubbles start again uh late july early august i think yeah they would try and get in a couple months of we'll call it round robin games and they would do the same thing all over again so i guess that would be what i would think would be a drop dead date um
1: Bonus question for Ryan. Only one can be fired, Jim Harbaugh or Matt Patricia? Who do you pick? Oh, Matt Patricia. Like, I don't think Jim Harbaugh has seen the success in Michigan that we've wanted, but I still have hope that he can one day pull it through.
2: I have no faith in Jim Harbaugh, but Matt Patricia is far worse.
1: Yeah, Matt Patricia is Jeff Blashill. Jim Harbaugh is Mike Babcock on a new team. That's exactly it. Matt Patricia is Jeff Blashill. Jim Harbaugh is Mike Babcock on the Leafs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is concerningly accurate. (laughs) the caminator says after all the draft analysis and deep dives on prospects what do you do with your all all your information do you continue to watch the prospects that you love develop do you ignore the prospects not drafted by the wings or do you forget about them and just focus on the next year's next year of draft picks also evan is it too late to draft anton lundell
0: it's never too late
1: (laughs) um i'm guilty of focusing primarily on the red wings and then i'll follow guys who are like know rated highly or i really wanted the red wings to take so you're looking at a lot of guys in the top 10 and then the random player like brad i know for sure you're going to be watching um uh he ended up going to philly you really wanted detroit to take him emil andre no uh great story i can't remember zade wisdom yes you'll follow zade wisdom like those kinds of kinds of notable players 90 percent of my attention will be on red wings draft picks though
2: yeah but i mean it's a big hockey world and you're not doing yourself any favor if you're not paying attention to all of it
1: uh Dennis K says I learned last episode that me and Ryan have the exact same birthday Dennis happy birthday buddy uh oh wow you're just as old and or young at me so Did thank you, you, just you first of, Michael of all Scott he pulled the Michael <laughs> Scott there. No, but it not actually, because it actually worked. So uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Dennis. Thank you for becoming a patron, and I hope it was a good one, um, however you celebrated. I don't think I – I actually realized I didn't go outside it at all on my birthday. which That has to sounds be a like first, the so.
2: best birthday ever.
1: <laughs> uh, thanks for all the content you guys make. Looking forward to the day there's a post Stanley Cup win episode. That – again, we've talked about it. It'll just be us screaming. Uh, we've had four post-playoff win episodes
2: celebrations that's it
1: (laughs) yeah uh fondle me till i'm streaming says hello you guys i've given up on you guys helping me out so i've decided to ask some hard-hitting questions would you rather ask your nope not nope nope very good ryan yeah uh, <laughs> the moment you said, mother, I'm, I'm completely out. Uh, enough of the fun stuff. Let's get cereal. I'm a college student living at home and I've begun to harbor some resentment with my family members. I know it's probably a phase, but I can't, cannot stop dreaming about moving out and going across the country and having limited contact with them. The weird thing is I grew up in a fairly privileged slash supportive family and I have had no fights or other conflicts that are prompting me to move. Is this just a phase or what? I appreciate your thoughts on the matter. This is uh,
2: absolutely a phase. Live at home till you're 30. Save infinity money. Don't move out. It's awful. You get like six months of like, oh, this is amazing. I can do whatever I want. And then, yeah. And then it's just bills and suck.
1: (laughs) Like the Buffalo bills and suck. Um, Okay. On the flip side, some people, depending on their, like who the kind of person they are and their family dynamic, it serves them well to move away from home and learn how to live alone. I will tell you, like I did it and I would do it a million times out of a million. And I love the hell out of my family, but I just really valued going out and being independent. Um, it's not cheap. It's not no. cheap. And if you want to get ahead in life, a good way to do that is to not pay rent and not pay for groceries. I will yeah. tell you that much. I moved out when I was 20. And for
2: most of my adult life, I have thoroughly enjoyed living on my own. Like Ages of 20 to 23, being on your own was amazing. I've act like I've roughly calculated how much money I would have saved if I didn't. And, um, very sad. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be shopping for an even bigger house than Evan is right now if I did. So, and that's, oh, that's a big me. goddamn house. So I'm struggling uh, right now too. <laughs> so it's uh, believe me, it's worth it in the long run. Save all the money you can, because when you eventually do move out, you'll be able to do a lot more with it
1: uh Adams is gonna be real frustrated when the league bails out uh the teams in cap hell could that be why there haven't been any moves lately covered that uh, gm's waiting to see what the league does when a third of the teams can't make the cap also does anyone know how to change your name on here oh that's funny um i actually don't because i've never had to but people do it a lot so and it looks like you got some uh, help in the comments. Uh, nods says, help guys, or hey guys, help me out here. I see rookie contracts that ELC cap hit is low, but for performance bonuses make up a lot of the true dollar amount. I'm curious what the some of the stipulations for that money might be for those players. Always been curious. Thanks.
2: It's pretty basic stuff. Point totals, goal totals, games played totals. Uh, there's even weird things for like win rookie of the year, uh, get named to the all rookie team, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's pretty generic stuff.
1: Um, and it's like it, it, there's different. They're classed on like A, B, and C level, right? Like, uh, yeah,
2: there's different. I don't know what the threshold is between the classifications, but they're there for a reason, obviously.
1: Uh. Uh, yeah, anyways, I'll try and find the exact figures and we can talk about it on a later episode. If you remember to ask the question again, Adam, just so you guys don't hear me typing for a couple of minutes while I look up the specifics, but yeah, it's, it's all pretty standardized. It's not as creative as NHL contracts. Sam W says, do you think we as a fan base tend to arbitrarily determine ceilings for prospects just as often as we have inflated expectations for others? Rasmussen is competitive, intelligent, and clutch when he gets a bit stronger on his skates, which can take longer for taller players to achieve. I think he'll outplay our current projections in a big way due to chomping at the bit to make a difference for the big club. Yeah, it's easier to be hyped about a player when you only know the good stories because that's what's coming out in the news, but uh, you're not seeing him day to day. So I think there's a a certain amount of truth to that. I don't know if Brad. I, uh, yeah. Text missed the question. (laughs) Do we, uh, do we impose ceilings on our own prospects while being overhyped for others? Kind of arbitrarily. In what sense? Like we're putting a ceiling on Rasmussen maybe, but we're pretty hyped about another notable player that another team drafted.
2: No, I think it, we don't put arbitrary ceilings on it. I mean, it, it's literally just making an assessment based on what we see. Like, I haven't seen anything from Rasmussen since he graduated from junior to make me think he's at anything more than at best the second line winger. Um, Berggren's showing flashes of potentially being a first round, a first line player based on what he's doing in the SHL right now. So. It's hard to say, and the thing with prospecting is you're going to be wrong way more than you're going to be right, but you could be wrong both ways. I could sit here and say, I think Michael Rasmussen will be a really good third-line winger and power play specialist in the NHL, and then he plays 80 games and his career fizzles out. Like You never know. That's the whole trick of it. If drafting and prospecting was 100%, there'd be no need for a draft. There'd be no need for different development leagues. You, Everybody would just follow the same linear path. So. Yeah, I mean, you just got to predict with the information you have.
1: Going back to the ELC contracts, there's A bonuses and B bonuses. A bonuses are performance metrics are capped at 212500 per bonus paid to an ag- aggregate total of 850 Um duh, 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 B bonuses, which match the league paid bonuses for trophy wins, etc., will increase from an ERR are an aggregate of $2.5 million starting after the 2022 draft. It's all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. But yeah, performance metrics, trophies, wins. That's that's what they're tied to, pretty much. Ryan Hanna-Brand, Wings & Pizza, says, What do you guys think of the ever-controversial Tom McDonald? He has so many of my favorite songs now. He makes a lot of political statements with his songs. Don't know Tom
0: McDonald. Is that the same guy as old McDonald?
1: Maybe. Did they both have farms? Uh, How many points do you think Raymond will realistically get in the NHL when he has a full debut season and where do you see him best case scenario points wise? Are we talking about his rookie season or like his rookie season, full season and best case scenario? best case scenario and what we predict he'll get for his rookie season
2: i think his rookie season will be somewhere between 40 and 50 points assuming it's an 82 uh because they're not going to put him in the bottom of the lineup but obviously he's going to be a slower development curve just because of uh, his size and skating um I, i do think that if the nhl continues to be in at least a somewhat offensive league and the islanders don't ruin it for everybody I could see Mitch Marner point totals 90 plus points. I, I think that's very much in the realm of possibility for Lucas Raymond. You don't pick a guy fourth overall if you don't think he's going to be the best player in your franchise. And I think Lucas Raymond will be the best player for the Red Wings and if Anthony Mantha and Dylan Larkin are routinely putting up 70 points and we think he'll exceed that I think 80 points is a low bar. Now that's if he turns into a 70 point player That's still a great player but I, I think
1: Best case, yeah, 90 to 100 points is w- right there. Um, It's been such a weird time uh, in the world. I'm thankful to have you schmucks to be my emotional support, Canadians. We definitely need your useless babble about jack shit to distract us from the useless babble that's going on, out in the real world. I know I normally make fun of Ryan for saying wings and pussy, but a more wholesome moment for me today, 69. And then he says, thank you, Evan, for paying attention. That nice. is all uh michael barry says congrats brad on the buffalo win anyways if you guys had to guess when the season would start what would be your best guess also anything else you want to see the wings do this offseason bring on a bad contract and i guess january 15th
2: i'll say january 14th just because i'm slightly
0: more optimistic than ryan um i'll say much later than that and i won't commit to a date i'll say march 14th
1: stay for, ooh. stay oh fresh God, cheese there's bags. no way the season's happening if it goes that late <laughs> yeah i'll be 35 games stay fresh cheese bags of fornia company says hey there fellows good news my root canal is tomorrow morning that's it'll go great i had a terrible root canal experience but yours will be great
0: stop talking <laughs>
1: <laughs> bradley i'm new to this whole hockey card thing and i'm a bit apprehensive of even opening the that box of tops 1990 set in the miscellaneous packs any thoughts tips live stream it should i just rip right in Everything from the late 80s and early
2: 90s is worth basically nothing. So uh, the whole point for getting it would be the fun of ripping it. And the nostalgia, absolutely tear into it. 1,000%. Don't even think twice about it because you're not opening it for the value. Let's just say that.
0: What are like, I'm sure you know this. What is like the most expensive hockey card? So it's uh, not a straight answer. So
2: the most expensive hockey card would be a graded 10 Wayne Gretzky rookie there's only ever been two in existence and they went for several hundred thousand dollars but the reason it's so expensive is because they're so goddamned hard to get Um, the 191011 C55
0: George Vesna is way up there is it because uh, there's not a lot of them or the ones that are there fail are in crappy condition uh, there's not a lot of them available
2: and also yes um, if you're looking at a modern card i mean just go look at what the sydney crosby and connor mcdavid upper deck the cup rookie cards out of 99 go for and it's horrifying i'll quickly google so is it. it
0: purely based on the fact that there's just not much supply in of those cards is that because i'm sure there's got to be like six types of rookie cards
2: Six, buddy. There's if you're counting just true rookie cards, most guys nowadays have twenty plus. If you're counting parallels and inserts, it's into the hundreds, cards if not are thousands. Worth anything? No, the the there's like three sets that are worth anything nowadays. Like the market's been flooded and tanked, and it's if you're enjoying hockey cards for value, you're not going to. I wish I was the housing market. Right, honestly, but um, no, but like the the thing with the Connor McDavid and the cup. Uh, and the Crosby Cup rookies is the packs they come out of are worth nearly, uh, well, at point of release, like six, seven hundred dollars a pack. Oh my god! And then these cards have a piece of his jersey in it, plus they're autographed. Okay, so um, a graded nine point five Connor McDavid Upper Deck the Cup rookie patch auto out of ninety nine sold in August for fifty four thousand dollars Canadian. The grading systems out of 100 right out of 10 (laughs) 9.5 is very 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 good
0: wow that's crazy
2: yeah so it's i mean the only three sets for rookies that generally hold value above their weight is the cup but nobody can afford that sp authentic and upper deck series one and two that's about it don't waste your time with much else if you're in it for investment
1: um also list out the bands you listen to so i can look them up on spotify and judge you what a time to be alive breathe in that air 69 stay fresh cheese bags (laughs) uh hell of a finish um i'll list one person like an artist his name's billy or fool and i'll be biased here because he's actually a good friend of mine but i think you'll like his music
2: um i've referenced paris icon for hire hands like houses on here a bunch
0: so i'll stick with that can't th- i hate these questions because i never I think know. and it's always at the end when i'm just completely asleep zonked yeah i don't know i honestly can't think right now i'll, I'll uh, give some thought to it evan's later. a big fan
1: of bach actually he's big into classical
0: yeah some abba as well yeah uh, classic classical abba if there abba. was a <laughs> abba <laughs> what did i say is that you what said i said abba yeah nah, it's fine. abba
1: Jared Firth says, hey, guys, if you're in Eisenman's chair, do you consider an offer sheet for Barzell 8.7? Seems reasonable to say a first, a second, and a third. No!
2: This question gets asked every week. No! (laughs) We're not giving up first round picks until we don't suck anymore.
1: Matt Barzell, though. I don't think Matt Barzell Barzell would sign an $8.7 million deal, though.
2: He might. He might say, like, don't get me wrong. I love me some Matt Barzell, but I think we grossly overinflate what Matt Barzell is. Like, he gets talked about like he is some, I don't know, 100 point player. He's not. He put up 60 points in 68 games last year. He's Dylan Larkin. Like, honestly. That's good. That's a really really good player. He's not Crosby. He's not Connor McDavid. He's not even close to their tier. Like he's a great great player, but it's silly what people think he's worth. I wouldn't pay him 8.7 million straight up on the cap.
1: Oh, let's not get ridiculous.
2: We got Dylan Larkin for 6.1 and they're damn near identical players. I think if he was not in New York, he would, would definitely help. have more points. It would help, but again, no, I'm not. You can't sit here and tell me that at, at the time Matt Barzell's worth more than Stephen Stamkos was.
0: I think if you did a poll, I think it would be overwhelmingly towards Matt Barzell over Dylan Larkin. Oh, people, I people I agree. I think
2: all things being equal, same team, same system, etc. Barzell's a better player. I don't think it's dramatic. I mean, I Barzell had his huge rookie year, but he's regressed in points both years since. I mean, that's can't. That's got to be at least a little concerning. I do think there's room for growth in his game, and I'm not sitting here and saying he's a bad player. But are you telling me you're willing to give up a top five pick for him? Get no. Get get
1: out of here. No. And then plus picks on top of that. No. Stop. But he it. said. When Lou is forced to match it, we can strong arm, in, strong arm him into a trade for bad
0: contracts and picks. So Nobody it, strong arms Lou Lamorello. No. Appar- look at his
2: contracts. Apparently every player agent in the league.
1: Also that. Uh, also, Arkells, the band from Hamilton, you should check out. The first three albums are killer. I love the Arkells. Maybe not. Maybe love Strong, but yeah. Mike Franklin says, if you had to make a complete and arbitrary guess, when will we see the first int- instance of Eisman weaponizing the cap? I'm sure he's working the phones now, but do you think he'll wait until the season for the pressure to truly ramp up? I guess mid-December. He already- uh since you guys have talked a lot about music, check out the band Dogleg. They're from Detroit and you'll get pup vibes from them. Their album Melee is really good. Specifically the songs the songs War Turtle, Kawasaki Backflip. The music video for War Turtle is shot in black and white and is a tribute to the movie Clerks, all with the lead singer wearing a Wings jersey and other Detroit references throughout. I'll link it below. Oh and hire uh Eric uh Bien-Ami, Benami. Benami. whenever the Lions come to their senses and decide to get a new head coach. Evan Pardo says, what are you more excited about? World Juniors starting on Christmas Day with a ton of Red Wings prospects or the first Red Wings game in nine months coming in early January? I'm a big sucker for holiday season World Juniors, man. I love the World Juniors. I I miss Red
2: Wings hockey so much, way more than I thought I would, uh, given how last season went. Um, But man, the World Juniors is its own animal. The fact that there's a ton of Red Wings prospects this year is just a bonus. It's like mini Olympics. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it so much.
1: Joey Furtos says, since we know Eisman wants to add another player to the roster before the season starts, uh, out of all the remaining free agents, who do you think makes the most sense to come to Detroit? Also, Hronik wearing the C for the Czech team pre- feels pretty good. Maybe we'll see an A on him soon enough since Abby left a vacant spot.
2: Who, who makes the most sense? Well, you want to get, As young a player as you can, and there's a few players under the age of 26 out there, Um, probably a forward when you look at the Red Wings depth chart and where they can use the most help. Uh, The Red Wings like their speed. Anthony Duclair or Andreas
1: Athanasi make the most sense. Yeah, like unironically Athanasi, but on a cheap deal. Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, uh, I just want to say how much I love pizza. Do you love pizza? If so, how much? Go Wings easily top tier food for me i don't you can have bad pizza and you still have pizza i have waves i always like
2: pizza but like i have like periods of time where it's like top three favorite foods for me
0: and then other times it's like yeah whatever it's fine when i when i get uh eat too much pizza in one sitting that's when pizza really takes a hit and then like three weeks later it it climbs back up
2: i won't even say it's like too much in one sitting but if i have pizza like three times or four times in a two-week span like i'm i'm off pizza for a few weeks after that
1: can I just say that when Brad said, I have waves, I just imagine him pulling a do-rag back
0: and having waves.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, With that's enough a patron
0: dollars, he can. <laughs>
2: money I don't do think there's enough. Let's be honest here. I have no shame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I look um, like this in public right now. <laughs> <laughs> on Reddit, Yarvik7 asked about Timashov again from last episode. It's just, he's trying to see if he can get more money overseas pretty much what's he doing right now where is he playing i don't know is he playing anywhere i don't think so um okay twitter questions and then we had a couple of comments from winger dinger says thanks for the content let's go red wings max smash says fuck Mary, kill eisman lidstrom fedorov can't do it can't you marry you marry lidstrom
0: yes i'll kill i'll kill fedorov yeah, maybe you have that's to. That's going to be clipped
2: out of context. Sorry, it, before, it or was it or... was Lidstrom Fedorov and who? Eisman. Oh man, how could I pick with that cuz you've seen Sergey Fedorov. How do you not fuck Sergey Fedorov? Like <laughs>
0: that's going to get
2: clipped. <laughs> Woo! We've all seen that clip from the 1994 All-Star game. There is no yeah. other... <laughs> If we ever
0: wanted credentials, we're never getting them now because they're going to scan our most recent episode. And that'll be the end of it.
2: (gasps) But I can't Uh, kill Iserman or Lidstrom. I can't. You can't. No. This is a terrible question, and I refuse to
1: participate. Twitter, uh, hashtag askWWP from Chris WingsFan 9113 says, What's longer, the trip back to the bench after missing a penalty shot or trip back to the bench after watching your team get scored on when you're in the box?
2: Oh, the penalty shot for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm going to level with you. I've never been the one chosen to take a penalty shot in my life. So I'll I'll say the one back from the box.
2: I had one last game, so it hasn't been that
1: long. (laughs) Uh, With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Real Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Thank you all for tuning in um we'll have more content for you whether stuff happens in the hockey world or we will do a backtrack of all the content that we've had to kind of skip past because of the draft um we'll see you then but for now we want to thank all of our name level sponsors arjun shanker kyle r a brendan lee zach spring citizen high five cody stark greech jeremiah Dobo, jake Kiefer. Ryan Hanna Brand Wings and & Pizza, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M, Matthew M Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam al Charlie Elkins, Han Josh Yelton, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Trevor Pevivar, Evans Bingo Card, Michael Al-Sante, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Rob Rasso, Simon Anderson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Klaus, and Stan Olson. Cheers, guys. Take care. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP and at Hockey Town Evan.